Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Today, we are going to talk to you about the Georgia Guidestones, which is America's Stonehenge. And I didn't know that that even existed. Also, a special thank you to Fishboy for recommending today's topic. I've only heard about them from kind of like deep dives into the internet because it's a random thing and I've never been to them. So it's not something I knew too much about. Well, yeah, I've always been fascinated by Stonehenge. And just the thought of one being in Georgia is just very weird to me. Well, also, like, it's a little fresh still. Like, it's from 1980. So it's also relatively young. Yeah. When you think of, like, Stonehenge, you're like, it's very old. People think aliens did it. And that's not the case here. And that sounds like it's not as interesting. But there's so much secrecy surrounding the Georgia ones that it reels you back in. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk about all the things about them. But we're going to finish on the theories, which is always our favorite. Oh, yeah. But before we get into it. So if you've been enjoying our show, we would love if you take a couple minutes and rate and review us on iTunes. It's pretty easy. You could do it from your iPhone or you can download the iTunes app on your computer if you do not own an iPhone. Otherwise, a Facebook review is awesome too. And if you'll email us the screenshot of your review, we will send you a sticker. Our email address is truecreepspod at gmail.com. And this goes for new reviews or reviews that you've already done prior to this promotion. We're also super excited because we launched our Patreon last weekend and we have four different tiers. The secret's finally out. Woo! (laughs) The tiers are a lot of fun and they start at only a dollar. So if you want to support the show, head on over to our Patreon link. It'll be on our website. And our first tier is only a dollar and it's called the Mittens tier. (laughs) So if you've listened to all of our episodes, you'll probably be familiar with what we named our tiers. And Mittens includes access to the Bat Bonfire, which is our Patreon-only Facebook group. We're super excited about that. Yes! We've been looking forward to doing this for a little while now. Yeah, and we can actually, you know, connect with you guys. We can talk about the episodes. We can talk about cases that you're interested in. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. Our second tier is my personal favorite because (laughs) it was the name that I gave it, (laughs) The Dump Ghost. So (laughs) what it includes is access to the Bat Bonfire, and then you also get a sticker when you join. So we tend to send everything out at the end of the month that you join. And it's a special sticker that you only get if you're a dump ghost or in a higher tier. And then another cool thing is you also get a sticker every year on your Patreon anniversary. Yeah. And it's not going to be like, oh, you get a true creep sticker every year. It'll be a sticker that's kind of like show related. And this one we designed with show in mind. It's our design. So I think that's really fun that you can only get these in one place. I love it. Our next tier is Fire Yeti, $8 a month. And you get access to the Bat Bonfire, that sick sticker, that sick anniversary sticker. And you'll get a custom annual fall card so long as you join by September 15th. So we can get them out in time to you. Yeah. But it's going to be based on like the full year's worth of episodes. And we're super pumped about that. So we already have ideas. So many ideas. And the idea is like, we kind of look a little piece of True Creeps art that you could hold and treasure forever. And last but not least is my favorite tier, 
the Vortex Bouncer. And for $25 a month, you get everything we said before. Bat Bonfire access sticker, anniversary sticker, that sick card. And you get a t-shirt when you join and as well as a t-shirt every year on your Patreon anniversary month. So obviously different t-shirts, but the t-shirt design that we have is just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Very excited. The only way to get this t-shirt design is to get it as a Patreon perk, if you will. Oh, and for current patrons, we'll post what everything looks like so you'll get to see it first. Yeah. So if you want to support the show, again, our link will be on all of our social media. It'll be on our website, truecreeps.com. We'd love to have you in our bat bonfire and we can't wait to chat with everyone. So before we get into all the nitty gritty about the Georgia Guidestones, just a little granite humor for you. (laughs) I think it's important to understand when they were built. Construction was completed in 1980, which was closer to the end, but still during the Cold War. And so when we talk about Cold War, what we're talking about is the tension that developed after World War II between the Soviet Union and the United States. Essentially, each were among the most powerful nations in the world that possessed nuclear weapons. Each continued to amass more and more nuclear weapons in a stalemate. Each knew if the nuclear weapons were deployed, the other would also deploy their nukes. Accordingly, mutual destruction was ensured if either nation deployed their nukes. It's called the Cold War because neither the U.S. nor the Soviet Union actually declared war, which is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And that never like went in my head. And I was born in 87. So I was just like a mere babe. Yeah. When this was like ending. Fair. I talked to my mother who grew up in this era and she had said that they did Cold War drills at school, like bomb drills, and they would have them like hide under the desks and they would have them lean against the lockers at different times. But she had them from elementary school through middle school. That's scary. It's scary, but it's also something that really shaped the people who, as adults, were looking at the Georgia Guidestones going, what is this? Right. So the Guidestones are located nine miles outside of Elbert County which is a very small area if you look at it between like Atlanta, right? Yeah. Its population is less than 5,000. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Which I guess makes it a little more odd, you know, or creepy in a sense, because you'll be driving. And from what I saw from videos, it's just like fields. And then there they are. Yeah. And they're tall. Like we'll get into like how big they are, but they're massive. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were unveiled in 1980 and there was like a ceremony too. Yeah. And so that, again, it makes it so it's not as scary until you know the secrecy that comes with it. So it is considered to be American Stonehenge, like I said before. And I didn't know before I started researching for this episode that we had one and it was kind of fun and now I want to go. So one of the the biggest mysteries of the Guidestones is who built them. So the person who funded the building of them only disclosed his name to one contact at his bank. And that is it. No one else knew who he really was. So who he was or what organization he represented were a mystery. No one knew why. No one knew anything about it. So like we said, it's made up of several stones standing up and then there's a capstone on top. The capstone was 25 tons. So on the top of the capstone, it says, let these be guidestones to an age of reason. And the top of the capstone is translated in different ancient languages that include Egyptian, hieroglyphics, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and Babylonian cuneiform. Yeah. Very weird. That it would be like ancient languages that are no longer really around in the 80s. 
Well, and it gets a little stranger, too, because there's four 16 feet tall separate slabs of granite that hold up this 25 ton capstone. Each side, so there's, you know, obviously two flat sides, right? Because they're kind of like, think of like a really tall domino. It's kind of how it looks like to me. Yeah. And so on either side, there's 10 precepts written. So there's eight languages that they're translated into. Mm -hmm. And these are different languages than before. Right. So we have English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. And those are the most popular languages today. Yes. Which is... Smart. Interesting. Yeah. So the precepts are maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, which we're well over that already. Absolutely. Yeah. Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. The, the, the pairing of these two is one of the most, I think, talked about facts around this. And like, what does that mean about the person who backed this? Unite humanity with a living new language. Which is interesting, right? Because we've now got a total of, what, 13 languages involved in this? Yeah. So they're like, there's a lot of languages. <laughs> mm -hmm. Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. So the next one, number six, is let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. <laughs> I like that one. Eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And ten, be not a cancer of the earth. Leave room for nature. And then repeated, leave room for nature. I don't know why, but that gives me like goosebumps. The double. They really meant that one. Inscription. Because I mean, like, think about it. They're translating this into eight languages and they were like, this must be on here twice. And they're like engraving slabs. It feels very Ten Commandments. And some people say that they're like the new Ten Commandments. Yeah. Which is interesting. There's also an astronomical calendar built into the construction of it. The, the sun shines through a narrow hole in the structure and illuminates the day and date on an engraving. Which I find fascinating that that was kind of part of this and that it seems so philosophical, right? And then they have this like, but here's how we're going to measure the sun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it also shows things like true noon based off of a hole and slots and everything that are in the stones. So it tells a lot just by the structure, like how it was actually made. Yeah. So what's interesting, too, is that it's not just this singular structure. To the west of the main cluster, there's also a large slab of granite that has a separate engraving. And so this piece of granite is 961 cubic feet of granite, which just feels like a lot. Mm -hmm. So on this, it says, time capsule placed six feet below this spot on, and then there's a blank space, to be opened on, and then another blank space. And that's very strange to me, especially because we know that the way that the other part of it works, it's like it can count time. Yeah. So I'm like, is there going to be a time when that structure is going to move and it's going to like tell the date on this one? Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like something mysterious will be illuminated. But it's interesting <laughs> that there's there was so much planning put behind it. And then there's these blank spaces. Yeah. And we're like, tell us the dates. <laughs> maybe he never got to do his time capsule. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Something mysterious happened. Ooh. So also next to the guidestones, there are security cameras. Oh, yeah. Because people keep defacing them and basically want them torn down. So they're very hostile towards it. Yeah. And so they're under constant surveillance by Elbert County Sheriff's Department because of it. I find that very interesting. And also, like, imagine how boring it would be to be the person in charge of watching the granite in the field all day. 
I would imagine it has to be like a dispatcher or something. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's just like, it's one of many things they're doing. I hope they're not just sitting. I doubt that. Watching this live feed all day. And that takes up money, right? You know, for like a small place, that's a decent amount of money to watch these and make sure no one's ruining them at all times. Yeah, but I think also, though, that cleaning them up and then trying to like find who's doing things is also probably taking up money and time. Yeah. And this way, like, even if no one is looking at that feed, the camera there is a deterrent. It is. Yeah. But also people think it's weird and some people don't even believe that it's the police department that is monitoring them. They believe it could be maybe a secret society. I'd never heard of the secret society, by the way. Had you heard of it? We'll get to it in a little bit. But had you heard of it before? Not this one. I've heard of ones very similar to this one. Yeah. But not this specific one. No. Okay. Yeah. Same. And we're going to talk about one person who had some very serious feelings. Yeah. (laughs) But so... Before we get into the theories, let's talk about the building process of this. Because right with Stonehenge, one of the things that makes it so fascinating is that we're all like, how did it get there? How did that happen? Yeah. And, you know, how was that made without the tools of today? Right. We don't have that mystery with the Georgia Guidestones. It's kind of who, why, and why, 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 why. Please tell me why and when. Yeah. That's a big exclamation point. So R.C. Christian approached Albert Granite Finishing Company in June of 1979. And as we go forward, we're just going to say Granite Company because Alberton Granite Finishing Company is just a long name. (laughs) It's too much. So the way that R.C. was described was he was well-dressed. He was 6'4". He had sharp features. He was bald, had glasses, and he had a Midwestern accent. Mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. And he said that he was a representative of a small group that wanted to guide mankind. And they're like, sure, okay, do that. <laughs> oh, great. I mean, I'm, I would imagine being the person who's like filling out his intake form for like the granite company. They're like, mm-hmm, you want to do this? Okay, great. Sounds good. And they're like, will you be paying cash? They're like, I would imagine so long as they're like getting paid, they're not like, and why are you doing this? That was an unnecessary disclosure, it feels like. But okay. I feel like when the person gave them number one, though, they're like, and what do you want to do with the excess people? Yeah, I mean, fair. And that is the question that everybody has. It's like, oh, that's like 5% of the world population. That's like nothing. Yeah. But anywho, so he said that he picked this particular granite company because one, they had good quality granite, but also because it was remote. He didn't want to be in the hustle and bustle of things. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but there's only only three people who ever really saw him. Right. And the first is the president of the granite company. The second is his contact at the bank, who was the president of the bank at that time. And then the third was he was in the granite association. So he met them at a lunch one day and he's that person who actually gave the physical description. Right. And so right out the bat, RC says, like, this isn't my real name. And he's specific that he doesn't want anyone to know who he is and why he's there and who he's there on behalf of, which is interesting considering he's building like a 20 foot structure in the middle of a field that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Like your people are going to have questions about you. Right. And so per the terms of their contract, all of the plans had to be destroyed once the project was complete. And RC even brought a model of what he wanted them to create in a shoebox that he had created. So all those like slots that Amanda was talking about and the way the sun came through, he had designed that or, you know, he and the group, but he had brought in this little like, I imagine like show and tell. He's like, I made this thing in a box. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> like, like I imagine like a little kid being like, my diorama. Here's what I made out of clay today. Do you want to see it? Yeah, he's like, yeah, just like a chill, like, wood sculpture. Could you imagine, like, (laughs) 
you go into a room in your house and your husband's like bent over over like a tiny wood sculpture that has like the world's tiniest little Ten Commandments on it in different languages, would you be like, what are we doing today? Be like, so how will you be paying today for this nonsense? Yeah, well, I think it was the group who paid, not him. I know, but I'm saying like the the person's like, you want to build this? Okay. Like, I'm sure he appeared a little odd. Yeah. And they're just like, why? Yeah. And the president of the Granite Company's name was Joe Fenley Sr. And so he originally kind of thought it was a joke. And then once he realized that the person wasn't joking, I'm going to assume it's because of the model he <laughs> unveiled. <laughs> But I just feel like that's the moment when I'd be like, oh, you're not kidding. Like, you're for realties on this. Yeah. That's when he reached out to Wyatt C. Martin, who's the president of Granite City Bank. So Wyatt Martin worked as RC's proxy. Wyatt was the only person who knew his identity. So there's a documentary titled Etched in Stone, The Georgia Guidestones. And it was produced by the Stuff They Don't Want You to Know podcast, I believe. And I know that Noel Brown, who's one of the hosts on that, he also interviewed many of the people in this extensively. And one of the people he interviewed was Wyatt Martin. And so Wyatt had told him that the reason that Christian chose that name was because he was Christian. And then he also said that Wyatt had promised him that he was never going to divulge who he was and he didn't intend to. So he was like, I'm not going to tell you who he is. Right. He was supposed to take it to his grave. Yeah. Yeah. And he also said he had papers that would have said who it was. Mm -hmm. But when they first talked, he was like, I'm going to need to know a little bit more about you if you want to work together. He's like, I can't just put a fake name into the bank system. Right. Knowingly, without knowing who you are, who the organization is, like basically knowing that he's a legitimate person. Right. And not just like a criminal. <laughs> Right. And kind of odd to think about. None of this could fly nowadays. Oh, my God. Like no. you can't make a secret monument under a fake name and get away with it. Right. That's kind <laughs> of a bummer. No. What about the oh, my God, the monoliths? Oh, yeah. Those that were found in the random like desert areas. Yeah. And the ones that people have photoshopped into places that are public. But now they're gone. Yeah. How'd that happen? So I guess itty bitty ones. But I'm saying like a big, crazy, expensive structure. I actually think it would be more possible today than it was then. You think? Oh, for sure. Working with a bank under fake names and everything? No, no, no. Because you wouldn't even need to work with a bank. You'd go directly to the company and be like, this is what I want to do. Put everybody in non-disclosure agreements. Like, you lawyer up real quick. You'd be able to do it anonymously more easily because you could have attorneys who are reaching out on your behalf. I feel like people that want to know would somehow get it, though. You know, like people would hack something and go all crazy and get this information. But also keep in mind, right? Like it's a weird correlation, but follow me here. Texas killing fields. No one goes to these places off of I-45 in Texas, right? Like that's why they can be dumping grounds. Just put it in a place where nobody goes and eventually someone's going to stumble upon it and no one's going to know how long it's been there. I guess, but you would have to, there's so many more rules. One, you'd have to buy the land, right? Mm -hmm. Then you'd have to like consistently pay the taxes on the land and do all mm -hmm. of that under this fake name that no one's allowed to see. But a lot of that stuff is now people can look that stuff up, like who owns land and who does this and that. So I feel like it would be a lot of secret layers that you'd have to develop that would be much harder. Yes, but it's in those layers that make it difficult that if you can truly maneuver well, you could do it, I feel like, pretty easily because you get a shell corporation, right? Number one, that's the name that's going to go on there. 
Two, you go to a jurisdiction where you have to pay for land records. So less people are going to look at them. Right. If you go to Florida, there's a sunshine law. So you can see like most public records for free or very little. What if they want it in Florida, though? They're not going to get it in Florida. No one's putting it there. Uh, See, it's harder now. If he wanted it in Florida, I'm sure he could have done it. Well, I mean, maybe he could have. Like, say Elon Musk is like, you know what? In the middle of, insert rural area of America, I'm going to put this thing and no one's going to notice. Who's going to notice? We are. We are. We're just going to start scouring Google Maps. Yeah. And that's a thing, actually. There's groups of people that scour Google Maps to find dead bodies and other weird things and weird monuments. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. But no, I do think it's possible I think it would be better because you could have more people. I feel like that that's more people to know the secret. No, but attorney-client privilege. So if you have an attorney, they can't. I don't trust it. I trust it. I feel like I'd have a hard time building my secret monument right now, okay? I feel very confident in my ability to build a secret monument. Well, let's both <laughs> build them and see who gets found out first. Okay. <laughs> Yours has to be in Florida. Yours has to be in Florida. You're the one who said that. Mine will be green and yours can be purple. That's how we'll be able to differentiate between the two because you just gave away our secrets. They already know. (laughs) They're going to start looking like for like shell corporations that are called like green. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I'm going to paint the square of purple and just write monument, secret monument on it. That sounds like a crop circle, like a weird crop circle. Yeah, that's what I, I want. A weird crop circle that says this is Amanda's monument. We absolutely need to do an episode on crop circles, by the way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I think we'll just do a we'll both make a giant True Creeps logo monuments. Yeah. And we'll hide them. This is legitimate. Absolutely. Arizona, Maryland. Where will they be? Somewhere in between. We have lots of fields and lots of desert. That no one wants to come to because it's too hot. We have no deserts, but I'm confident in my ability if I wanted to hide something, I could. All you need to know is somebody who has a lot of land. And money. No, I'm going to build it myself. (laughs) I'm sure it'll last generations. I'm going to cricket it. (laughs) Perfect. The cricket project of the century. Cricket will engrave on granite, right? Absolutely. No, I'll make vinyl stickers. I'll just get a piece of granite and then I'll, I'll make a vinyl sticker to go on it. As long as you put some Mod Posh to seal it. Slap that baby on. I'll put dishwasher proof Mod Posh because I'm fancy. It has to cure <laughs> for like 28 days. So be careful. I'll put it in the oven. <laughs> and by the oven, I mean, I'll take it to, to Arizona, Arizona. Yeah. and I'll let it bake in the sun. <laughs> See, my monument will be sealed before yours. It'll be safer. <laughs> I'm not saying you're not right. Anywho, back to this, where we leave off. So back to our story. In October of 1979, R.C. bought a plot of land from Wayne Mullinex. I want to say Mucinex. <laughs> and it cost $500,000 to build. I'm imagining him as that snot guy. Is that what you were thinking? That's what I was thinking. Is that what you were laughing at? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to True Creeps, where we're rude about people's last names. Quackenbush. I mean, there's some of them that we love. Quackenbush. We love Quackenbush. Yeah. Mullinex is a good last name. So the primary cluster of the Guidestones was finished on March 22nd, 1980. The town all gathered to see the public unveiling. Which is much different than Stonehenge, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they sent out invitations for that. I mean, maybe they did, but it wasn't anybody who passed the story down. No, no. Yeah. So it was a very big deal. Local officials spoke, and there was an invocation by one of the local pastors. A U.S. congressman, Doug Bernard Jr., was even there, which 
that feels like a big deal to me. And so once everything was finished, RCC left $50,000 in a local bank account and told folks he would never be back. And he wasn't. Which is very weird. I'm going to leave this money with you. Goodbye forever. So and interestingly, the Georgia Guidestones were gifted to Elbert County in 1979. As they were being built then. Yeah. So once they were like well on their way, I believe. Interesting. And they were like, thanks. Cool, man. <laughs> we really wanted one. This is what I've I've been hoping for. I didn't put it on my Amazon wish list, but you know me well enough to know what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was this. It was this. <laughs> so RCC told Wyatt that these guidestones were meant to be a rallying post or guide for a new society that emerges through the ashes of an old one. That doesn't sound scary, right? That sounds normal and fair and not terrifying. Right. And Wyatt's like, okay, thank you. I'll tell you what my theory is once we've gone through the others, but like strange, very, very strange and very specific. Right, right. So in the documentary that I mentioned before, Wyatt gave Noel some of like the letters and artifacts from his relationship with R.C., but he didn't give him anything that would have gave him any type of hint or clue to who R.C. was. But he did then burn everything that had any mention of R.C. Could you imagine? And he like he has like a fam, like a wife and family. His wife has to know, right? I mean, you would think she knows. She knows for sure. I would not allow it. I could not allow it. Him knowing and me not knowing. Oh, my God. That would be all we talked about. I'd be like, do you want to drink profusely and tell me (laughs) secrets? (laughs) Tell me who he was. Yeah, I would need to know. And also, like when I said secrets, it was painful. I'd be like, do you want to drink a lot and then tell me your secrets? Because I need to know who this is. It would haunt me. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to get over it. Yeah. I mean, or I don't know if anyone really cared because they didn't think it was a big deal. Like it was just kind of a weird thing. It's just weird. Yeah, it is. It is odd. And so there was many a theories and we'll get to them in a moment. But there were letters from RC to Wyatt after things had been built when people were fussing about it. And just here are some quotes from them, because a lot of people thought there was like Satanism or that a particular religion had something to do with it. And so this is what RC said. The sponsors of the project do not believe in demonology or astrology or Satanism. (laughs) And then so these are three separate quotes, but the monument attempts to appeal to the good in human beings of all faiths. And that's why they didn't have one religion, because they didn't want one religion to be like, this is ours. And then everyone else ignore it. Right. 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 And so they said. We specifically disavow any connection with the so-called cults and superstitions which are being professed by the people who claim a relationship to ancient religions. We discourage the use of the monument site for cult purposes of any kind. We ask the people of the county to protect the site from abuse so that our brief appeal to reason may be carried to our fellow human beings of all philosophies in a united effort to deal with the problems of the world through the applications of reason. Which feels a little condescending, like a little bit. Right? Like a little bit like, just let us tell you what's good for you. (laughs) Well, I feel like he was just trying to not tarnish what he wanted it to be and have anyone like think of it negatively. Yeah. No, I got you. So even though he said this, there are some theories that, of course, it is the Ten Commandments to the Antichrist, even though he's specifically like, it's not a cult. It's not about one certain religion. It's not about this. But absolutely, it's the Ten Commandments to the Antichrist. (laughs) I also like, this feels like relatively reasonable. If a seemingly relatively reasonable set of like, think about these things is the Antichrist, that is a very low bar for the Antichrist. I would assume the Antichrist would be like, and you drink blood on Sundays, but it must be from babies. Like, that's what I would imagine it would be. (laughs) And I certainly don't think it would be like... 
be nice to nature. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I think it's just that number one gets everyone about how many people. Yeah. Which I think me and you have already discussed it, but in our heads, we see number one and two kind of going hand in hand. And I think a lot of people do too, is that like they take them hand in hand and you view them with your own experiences and biases. But like there's a few different ways to look at them, but I still feel like a lot of people have taken that part and been like, oh, they're evil. Right. Versus or like, I was just gonna say they're applying them as though we're going to take these rules and apply them now today. Yeah. When it seems very clear that RC was like, some shit is going to go down. You're going to need some semblance of where to begin. Mm -hmm. Meet at the stones and then go forward. (laughs) Yeah. So as a refresher, number one was maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. And number two was guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. So it was like, be cognizant, you know, and... I guess the population probably wouldn't be as high. I don't want to say that in like any sort of like mean or judgy way, but I feel like that's kind of what his vision was, right? If you're cognizant about reproduction, it probably won't be as many. I'm not sure. I think when you talk about like the building of a new society and how you want that to work, if you're like, we want to create a society where no one goes hungry, where you don't die from illness because we have enough medicine to go around. Like if you're thinking like in that type of way at the onset of like at the beginning of a civilization, as opposed to like thousands of years in, it's a little bit different. And I think that and we're going to we're going to talk about eugenics in a moment. But I think that that is one of the the biggest critiques of this is that it sounds like eugenics. But I didn't take it as that. I did, but I didn't take it is that the reason why I'm a little bit leaning away from it is because it says diversely. Yeah. But it also has fitness and the fitness part can be relatively ableist. So it seems like they are saying like pick the quote unquote cream of the crop, right? Like, oh, maybe it sounds kind of like that. Like it it doesn't sound like it's not saying that, but I think it's too murky. They're saying too much and saying too little at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could see both ways, but I I take it as like, again, he thought something might have been coming, right? That was going to eradicate a lot of the population already. It wasn't like kill off all these people. It was they already died. And here's how we kind of repopulate in a smart way. But also, if you are living, like, I think of, really stupid, but I think of zombies or, like, you know, a lot of what you see on TV today, like, when it's the apocalypse, what's going on and why, whether it be illnesses, zombies, or, what, the ocean drowning everyone, you're going to have to have a level to survive what's going on, too. Yeah, like, you won't be able to continue as a species if there's not a certain amount. I mean, maybe on that secondary slab, it says there's a time capsule buried underneath, maybe It's the super fancy post-nuclear bunker that's being created underground. It can only support 500 million. And that's the cutoff. Maybe, maybe that's it. And what's interesting, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I think that. I'm just saying that when, okay, so R.C. Christensen buys the property from Mullinex, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And what he gives in return, so he he buys it, right? But he also gives Mullinax's children rights to have their cattle graze the land. So nothing more than surface level. I'm just saying. (laughs) Maybe. Surface level rights for a lifetime. And then the state gets it. Or then the county like would officially own it for the rest of forever. But right. 
I'm just saying that's plenty of time for him to build his underground bunker there without anyone noticing. I mean, he did disappear, though. Maybe the Granite Company built it. Maybe he's in the bunker already. Maybe. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know who he was. Anywho. (laughs) So some people think that it was Satanists or the New World Order who built the monument, mainly because of the commandment regarding reproduction, because be fruitful and multiply is very different than don't. And then for this reason, many people have petitioned the local government to tear it down. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do with all that? Make it into kitchen counters? Mm-hmm. That would be such an annoying thing to clean because the little crevices. <laughs> so there's the there's a local pastor named Scott Mize, and he's the pastor of the Baptist Church of Elberton. I think it's Elbert County and Elberton is in it. And he said that he had been to the monument when there were candles that had been left lit and that people have performed animal sacrifices and there were other satanic worship behaviors that were happening there. Alternatively, some people in the granite industry saw it as like a publicity stunt for granite. Like, look what we can do. We can make a Stonehenge. And I'm like, what a weird publicity stunt. But okay. Well, I've seen that and I found not just like a publicity stunt for granite, but also to get tourists to their area to spend more money in general. I mean, that would work, but it's a very expensive ask. Did we say how much it was? If we didn't, it cost $500,000 to build, which is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot now. It's a lot, a lot then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But generally, I feel like the religious people of that area are skeptical because of the secrecy. Yeah. Because they don't know where it's from. They're like, "Mm, can't trust it. Which I find interesting is it's like very telling of us as Americans when we meet something that is unexplainable or strange or unknown, we automatically go, it's bad. (laughs) Has something to do with the devil for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least they didn't shun it and like outlaw it, right? Yeah. Like some other things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dancing and footloose. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Here's the beginning of the secret society. So the secret society that we had mentioned is the Rosicrucians. And Christian Rosenkruch is said to be the founder of the secret society in Germany in the early 15th century. Some think that he lived. Some people don't even think that he was a person and that it's all made up. (laughs) Wow. So to the members of the society, Rosenkrush was a doctor who spent a lifetime gathering, quote unquote, sacred knowledge. And the society was formed in order to pass on the learnings so that it did not die with him. Which, okay. Okay. I see see it a little bit. So at first, all the members were doctors. Which I think is very interesting, by the way. A secret society where everyone is a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And like... You think of doctors as well-educated and helpful and good for the most part. I mean, I know we've talked about weird, crazy doctors, but... I have my own feelings on the medical system, like the medical professionals <laughs> of America and their like biases. But I think that we expect that doctors will be ethical and moral and reason-based rather than faith-based. Like that's how we hold them up to be. Whether or not that's actually what we get, it's kind of like the ought, if you will. Mm-hmm. So there was an oath to heal the sick without payment, to maintain secrecy of the fellowship, and to essentially find a replacement for when he passed away. And the sacred knowledge was as follows. Include elements of alchemy, psychic manipulation. Okay. And also, if you, in case you didn't know what alchemy is, it's basically like the idea that you can convert things into other things. 
right? Specifically metals. Typically it was normally gold and it had to do with like finding a universal <laughs> elixir is how the Oxford languages describes it. <laughs> but I think of a weird sorcery like witch thing for some reason. I know that's not right. I think of a game I had where you would take one thing and you would drag it on top of another one and then it would become a new thing. And the whole point of the game was to do that enough so you found everything. I feel like that's what they were doing. That's exactly what it is. The game knew. Mm-hmm. So per the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, alchemy is a medieval chemical science and speculative philosophy aiming to achieve transmutation of the base metals into gold, the discovery of a universal cure for disease, and the discovery of a means of indefinitely prolonging life. It's a lot wrapped into one thing. Yeah. And it sounds very woo-woo, but that was like a serious science at one point. Mm-hmm. And let's just take a moment about psychic manipulation. What did they want to do? I don't know. I believe from a couple of the documentaries, they wanted to <laughs> be able to move things with their minds and control others' minds is what's been said. I mean, yeah. There's also like one of the most popular conspiracy theories of the U.S. We're talking about them in a minute. But one of the gentlemen who has some very strong beliefs about Rosicrucians also has some theories about their involvement in other big conspiracies. Various <laughs> things. Yeah. His website. It was something. Something that you you should view. <laughs> something you should view and read. Yeah. Yeah. And sit with. For a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so modern Rosencrucians are believed to have the ability to tap the ultimate power of the human mind, which we I think we've brought that up in other episodes. We don't know what our minds are capable of. And maybe these people figured it out. We watched Brad Melter's show on the Georgia Guidestones, and they talked about going to a university to talk about the power of moving things with your mind. Yeah. And it was interesting how they put on like the cap and they had to uh, inject it with something. Yeah. So that the brainwaves could work. Yeah. It's very, it was an interesting watch. I did find that fascinating that like someone could theoretically like make that happen, I guess. I don't know. So I know this science is used in various different ways already for people who like can't move limbs. So it's just interesting that someone that can can put on that, I don't want to call it a helmet, but like thinking cap, headpiece, thinking cap, and uh, be able to move a robot. Yeah. Very weird. For sure. But cool. Some people believe the group has evolved and now they seek to protect and guide humanity away from its own destruction, which... I mean, we need that. I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. Some accuse them of being evil, which everything's evil. Everyone accuses every single thing of being evil. Yeah. Offshoots of the group are everywhere, though. I don't know what that sound was, but that was a dun 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 kind of sound. They're everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Their main symbol is a cross with a white rose in the middle. And they call it a rosy cross. And in one of the documentaries, they were like, rosy cross. RC, that's Christian Rosenkrush. And then maybe that's where the RC came from for RC Christian. Rosy cross. Uh, That's a, yep, those are the same letters. My favorite was, <laughs> they were like, and if you look at an aerial view, <laughs> the Georgia Guidestones are a rosy cross. And then they show it. It looks like a plus sign with... It's a square, but the way that it, it's positioned, it looks like a diamond kind of, right? It's like the points are with the lines for balance sake, but it doesn't look like a rose on a cross. Like it looks like shapes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's just because when the rose in the middle would like be thicker and so there's a thicker piece in the middle. So that means it's a rosy cross. It made no sense. They were 
dubious. That was a big stretch for that. Yeah. But I, I can see possibly R.C. Christian, if he indeed was part of the Rosencrucians, then, I mean, that name kind of goes with it a little. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem as though the idea of it having to do with the Rosicrucians doesn't seem far-fetched. It's what people think the Rosicrucians are doing now that seems far-fetched to me. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so moving along. Amanda, will you tell me who Van Smith is? (laughs) He's exposing the truth. (laughs) It was hard for me to say that with a straight face. I had to look down. I couldn't look in your eyes. Yeah, my little furby eyes. Yeah. Got it in. He is such a treat. When I watched that documentary, I immediately was like, what is vanshardware.com? Does he run a hardware store? And then I looked and I was like, he indeed does not run a hardware store. He exposes things that need to be exposed. Okay, well, one, you made him sound like a flasher. Two, (laughs) why (laughs) is it called Van's Hardware Journal? I don't know. I assume that he wrote about like what hammers are good or like that's what I thought it was. Which pliers have the most longevity? Guys, I didn't look at this. Let's do a real a real time. So I'm watching the documentary and I paused it immediately because I was like, what does this guy <laughs> have to do with anything? What's vanshardware.com? And then I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's why he's on here. Oh, no. Yeah. You go on and it's like part one. It gets better and better. Oh, my God. I'm just going to tell you <laughs> his update from 2004, just the title of it. Okay. I'm going to get into like my, my podcasting voice. Are you ready? I'm ready. Anonymous message claims to reveal R.C. Christian's identity. Georgia Guidestone's Doom update. Update two. Hacking attempts suggest hoax. <laughs> That's a lot to unpack. It's really something. Yeah. A mysterious 20 by 14 inch cube was added to the Georgia Guidestones in 2014. Facebook becomes the basis for national ID? Question mark. 4K 39 inch television monitor for less than $520 at Amazon.com. <laughs> He's exposing the truth. <laughs> Stop C-I-S-P-A. I don't know what that is. God damn it. Now this is what we are. Now we're Vans Hardware. Yep. Strange creature spotted in Arkansas. I don't know. I I feel like we need to invite him to be a host. On our way home from the airport last night around 3 a.m., my wife and I spotted a strange animal scurrying away from a road in a very rural area of the mountains. It was about the size of a small house cat or a skunk, but it was broad, almost square from above. My lawyer face. Uh, With the corners of the square providing locomotion at about the speed of a slow human stroll. The writing, impeccable. No more than six inches tall. Had no obvious head or tail. This sounds like a plastic bag. This sounds like a paper bag blowing in the wind, does it not? I mean, yeah, that's what it was. It was just to make it creepy sounding. In other words, it appeared to be a black, furry, walking square. My wife, Kathy, said it reminded her of a monstrous four-legged caterpillar. These are very different descriptions. Caterpillars are not squares. Has Kathy seen a square or a caterpillar? (laughs) A savage roast of Kathy. (laughs) No, and that's what's fascinating. He was very surprised because he's never seen anything like it in his life. Yeah, I've never seen a square caterpillar that's black and fuzzy either with no head or legs. Black, furry, square. (laughs) Just pillows. It's just pillows that come up. (laughs) I don't know what I thought I was going to (laughs) find. A lot of someone's truck that was just like (laughs) being tossed. (laughs) And then he chose to go home and write about it. (laughs) Okay, so this gives you an idea of who they interviewed. I'm so sorry. I can't not stop. Oh, yeah, I stopped there for a good half hour. This is what derailed me researching as I stayed on this website and read all of this. 
February 6th of 2013 was to be a very bad day for computers. You missed the good one. The Georgia Guidestones, a conversation with Plato in hell. <laughs> it's in hell. <laughs> you have to say it, right? So, yeah, that's what I saw when I was watching the documentary. I had to pause it and immediately go here. And then I stayed here for far too long. It's fascinating. Also, in their interview with him, he said that if it was like fiscally possible, he would dedicate his life to, quote, uncovering these bastards. He means it. And he by these bastards, he obviously meant the Rosicrucians. Yeah. He also like had a very specific and intense conspiracy theory that Sirhan Sirhan was controlled by the Rosicrucians. Yep. That's how JFK was killed by the Rosicrucians. And that's why his like journal entries were nonsense is because it was mind control, I believe is what he said. Yeah. Something along those lines. It was interesting, but it was also very easy to dismiss. Easy to dismiss, entertaining. Yeah, for sure. I was like, he has a lot of thoughts about a lot of things. Yeah. So why we bring him up is he was interviewed because he does think that the Rosencrucians are up to no good and that they are using astral projection and mind control and psychokinesis and all kinds of other things. And this is the one person that I I saw that actually wanted to speak out, I guess, against them. Like, there's a lot of people that have negative things to say, but I feel like they're not on this level. I feel like with every good conspiracy, you've got different tiers of believers or truthers, you might say. Yeah. And he is by far like a top tier Rosicrucian truther, if you will. Right. Well, it was funny because they interviewed him and then they went to someone else named Bet Benner. And <laughs> she said, basically, whoever says that they're Rosicrucian is not because what you're supposed to say is you are a student of Rosicrucianism. Which I found fascinating, by the way. She was very interesting. But it was just funny because it was polar opposites. You have this guy talking about how they like want to destroy the planet and destroy the world and they're so evil. And then her and she just seems so innocent and non-threatening. Chill (laughs) and level-headed and like, I just want to do good in the world. Like she did not seem like she had some ulterior motive. Right, right. And then they go to Jay Widener, who was basically a researcher And he says, no, they don't want to murder everyone. And the Guidestones were built to set forth some rules so that the people who survive what's coming, a catastrophe, they can remake the world in a better way. And then here's where it got a little weird. But the thing is, this documentary was made before 2012. So he said every 13,000 years, the sun shoots gigantic solar flares at the Earth. And basically, it was going to possibly destroy what we know today, right? Mm -hmm. Well, surprise, it didn't happen. But there were a number of different things back in 2012 that were supposed to happen to destroy the Earth, right? Wasn't it like the Mayan calendar at the time? Yeah. The solar flares and various other things were supposed to basically destroy everything. It could have been that also Rock's timeline would have kicked in. Rockterio from Anhill Kids, in case you're wondering why I'm talking about stones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Remember, why Why didn't the world end? The world didn't end according to Rock's timeline, because everyone knows that God has a different time zone. And, you know, a certain date for us might be 100 years later for God or three minutes or four minutes ago. Who could say? <laughs> so what I thought it was interesting is at this time when the documentary was made, I guess shortly after speaking to him, NASA had put out a warning about solar flares. And I was like, oh, that does make it a little weird. And I do remember, too, 
when learning about like the Mayan calendar and you're like, what? It's going to end? They predicted so much. Yeah. And then you're like, 2012 is it? This is it. And then when you got over it, you're like, oh. And then various other countdowns began. And then Lori Vallow began. And we're still here. Yeah. You know, we all got, th- we didn't all get through 2020. We we got to 2020. And something big did happen. Many a things happen. I think that's the thing is it's like, there's so many reasons why the world could end. Infinite. I did not count on this. Who could say? What I thought was interesting was they talked about like if there was a solar flare, it probably wouldn't ruin the world. It would like have a tiny impact. Yeah. Well, and they did interview someone after that, too, talking about like what a solar flare was. Yeah. Which it was interesting. But also I'm like, it's kind of veering a little bit away in a sense. But like the Guidestones, again, people thought something bad was happening. The world was going to end as we know it. And these were supposed to be the guide to what to do after. Yeah. So one of our last theories is a heavy one, and it's eugenics. And we bring this up because, as Amanda mentioned earlier, precepts one and two are kind of read together, right? Maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature and guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. So let's talk about what eugenics is, because if we don't know our past, we're down to repeat it. Which I think is the hardest thing to think about when you think about like, meet at the stones and let's go forward. If you're moving forward without looking at what failed in the past, it's like a recipe for a bad society, right? It's like to take the people who lived in the shitty place and then go, okay, fresh start. Just follow these rules. This has been Real Talk with Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to get so much more realer. So some people think that RCC was a eugenicist named Robert C. Cook, and he published Human Fertility in the Modern Dilemma. And oof, the name kind of sounds similar, right? Like it kind of goes. And so let's talk about what eugenics is. Eugenics is the practice and advocacy of selective breeding of human populations to maintain or eliminate particular traits. In practice, the groups that are in power dictate what genetic traits are or are not favorable or which people broadly have good or bad genetic traits. Eugenics is often attributed to Hitler because he did practice eugenics and then he escalated eugenics to genocide, as most of us know. And so in Mein Kampf, published in 1934, Hitler talks about eugenics, but he talks about American eugenics. Let's just let that sink in for a moment that America was the inspiration for where he started. Yeah, that's weird to think about. It's weird to think about. It makes me queasy to think about, right? Because we we try to whitewash everything and make it seem like, oh, we always do things we try to do best and we try to do good, but we don't. And I don't know. I have, I have very strong opinions. But so let's talk about eugenics in America. In American states, they were outlawing marriage if a person had traits that were not considered desirable and they were performing involuntary sterilizations which meant that they were making it biologically impossible for a person to procreate. Right. And so they were doing it on people with a certain trait or groups of minorities. In 1896, Connecticut outlawed people who have been diagnosed with epilepsy from getting married, which is like, I feel like epilepsy is relatively common now. In 1910, the Eugenics Records Office was formed. That's crazy, right? (laughs) And I had never heard of that. And I was like, well, what's that? Me either. And well, first off, it was around for 30 years. And then it tracked families and their genetic traits to see like who had which quote unquote undesirable traits. 
Typically, immigrants, minorities, or the poor were the people who were considered unfit to procreate, which is absolutely disgusting. Yeah, absolutely. And also, they said that negative traits were caused by just inherently inferior genes and not social norms or, you know, systemic racism. And so in 1927, in Buck versus Bell, the U.S. Supreme Court said that it was not a violation of the U.S. Constitution to perform involuntary sterilizations on people who were handicapped. What? Yeah. Like... We're talking, it's weird to say, but a little bit less than 100 years ago. Right. That's not that long ago. That's not distant history. That's your great grandma, depending on how old you are. That's scary. Disgusting. Yeah. So by 1931, 29 states had enacted laws regarding sterilization. That's a lot. Insane. It's a majority. Like that was the majority thought. So in 1942, the decision in Buck versus Bell was overturned, thankfully, right? And eugenics tie to Hitler made people kind of go, huh. (laughs) And so after World War II, it lost popularity and momentum, but not the sterilization part of it. So from 1970 to 1976, under the Family Planning Services and Population Research Act of 1970, at least 25% of Native American women who were childbearing ages were sterilized by their physicians. That's horrific. That is horrific on a level that I can't even explain. Mm -hmm. It's like preemptive genocide, it feels like. Yeah. And what's worse is people would go in for something like an appendectomy and they'll be sterilized while they were under and did not give consent, didn't even know it was going to happen. Goodness. Goodness, right? Like, And so when you take this terrible practice mindset thought and you say like, oh, the Georgia Guidestones, they're advocating for eugenics. I can 100% see what people are saying that they're evil. But I, I personally, like, I don't think that that's what they're saying. Right. And I don't think it was Robert C. Cook either. I don't think it was Robert C. Cook. So guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. The first part of that sounds a little bit like eugenics, right? Improving fitness. And I mean, I think of it as like survival of the fittest. Right. Like that's how you match it with like that part of it to me sounds like eugenics in an evening gown. Like it's dressed up to sound not terrible. You know what I mean? Where they're like, make sure you pick the cream of the crop. But what does it mean to be the cream of the crop? Because we're differently abled and we all have different strengths and things that make us important and vital to society. And if you take one type of person and say like, this is what it means to be great, you're not going to have a good society. Like, it's just not going to work. Exactly. And it says like, and diversity. And I wonder if that was like 1980s, like, let's be politically correct. I said I didn't think it is eugenics, but then I started talking and I now I think it's eugenics. I do. Because I think that like when you're saying the line improving fitness. That gets you. That gets me. Because I feel like it's saying it, but not saying it. It could be. So it's between the lines, if you will. I hope it's not that. I hope it's not that too. Because... I want to think that it's not the worst thing ever. I mean, if we're looking at it as like, there's a certain author that I no longer like because of her views on trans people. I wonder who it could be. (laughs) And there's some people who are like, but the source material is ours now. And I'm like, but she still makes money on it if you buy licensed products. But in this situation, it's possible to take this and look at it and go, Is this a good start to the Phoenix-like society that will rise 90 miles outside of Atlanta, nine miles outside of Elbert County? Is it a good start to maintain humanity, unite people? Like there's pieces. There's pieces of it are good. 
Yeah. Like, unite humanity with a living new language. Sounds good. I can also see it through the lens of, like, where people say, English is the national language for America, and we have no national American language. That's That was my worry on that one. Yeah, I was like, that sounds a lot like, if you live here, you better speak the language. Like, that's what that sounds like to me. Right. It sounds like an intellectual's version of some problematic phrases. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But while I don't think that the Guidestones were created by like a famous eugenicist, I do think that the phrasing comes off like eugenics. So I think there's like a difference there, right? Is that like who wrote it and the intention and reading it in 2021's lens. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of sucks that that was not the intention in any way. It just aged bad. Yeah. Yeah, like so many things do from the 80s Mm -hmm. or the 70s, a little bit of both. (laughs) There is one other theory that some psychics and various other people have thought could happen and why the Guidestones are where they are. So the Georgia Guidestones are at a safe location and they deem it to be a safe location from some odd events that could transpire. And other safe places in the U.S. that they thought would be available is Dallas, Phoenix, Spokane, Chicago, Denver, and Washington, D.C. So you and I should be good. We're solid. We're solid. But what they thought was the oceans were going to rise. And like the, I think it was the Mississippi River was going to rise as well. It was going to flood. And it was going to get rid of a lot of pieces of states and or some entire states. Yeah. And these would be the safe areas to be in. This just sounds like global warming to me, by the way. I mean, yeah, maybe. But I've heard of the California thing in various different ways of California disappearing into the ocean. But anyways, supposedly this was supposed to be a safe place where they were placed so that when people do start to rebuild and repopulate, they could look at this for guidance. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. In the documentary, they like whipped out a little map. (laughs) I loved it. It was great because it was like, I was like pausing and I was like, okay, Denver. And like writing all the cities down. But I was like, fascinating. I mean, it's it's broad enough where it could be true because there's many different events that could cause like chunks of the U.S. to be underwater. It could be right one day. But they thought it was fairly soon. They thought it like it was coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there are times where I'm like, meh, there's going to be a cataclysmic event during my lifetime. Because think <laughs> about like all of this stuff. OK, every generation has bad things, blah, blah, blah. We're millennials. We've had like... We got beat up. We we got rough when we, we had Columbine as children before we even got to high school. Most of us. Mm-hmm. We got 9-11 during like our tweens, the economic collapse of 2008, which was supposed to be a once in a lifetime recession, mm-hmm. which we hit again in 2020 with a pandemic. Let's just round it out with with the end of our species. I'm sorry, Gen Z. <laughs> When you think back to like a year and a half ago, right? Because now we're already a year in. A year and a half ago, none of this was ever thought of. I never thought that I'd ever have to wear a mask somewhere. Mm -mm. It felt strange and weird. And I remember talking to, I don't don't remember who it was. Maybe it was a friend from work. And they were like, they were talking about how somebody who they know had went to an Asian country. And they were like, oh, I didn't know this. They wear masks to protect other people if they're sick. Yeah, it's like common practice there. What's that like? To think of others? To think of others? Like, what is that? Right. I feel kind of bad for even saying that sentence, but it was just like, it's out of the norm here. But yeah, when you look at like pictures of China and things like that, like they they normally do have masks. You see them more frequently, I should say. Not normally, but you see them more frequently. 
Yeah. Whereas like 18 months ago, if you would have saw someone wearing a mask walking around, you would have been looking at them strange and suspect. Now we'd call them a time traveler, a conscientious time traveler. Right. But also speaking of time travelers, that's kind of what I think. (laughs) That's my theory a little bit is time travel because there was no time capsule buried when the site was built. So they say that here's a time capsule six feet down. At the time of it being built, they hadn't put one there. Well, maybe it's there now and they just didn't label it. Maybe it is. Perhaps. But that feels like the the most reasonable one for me. Yeah. So this is just a big mystery. So there might still be someone still alive that had seen him or met him. I don't know. His identity might die with them. And it's just weird to think about. Yeah. Well, and or his wife, you know, he had to have told her. I also saw like one of the things that I felt like kept coming up was that RC, he didn't hide his identity for any like nefarious or exciting reason. It was simply that he wanted people to look at them. And he knew that if he took himself out of the equation, that that mystery would draw intrigue and that people would want to look at it and they would talk about it and they would discuss them. Because there is that like, hmm, what is this? That's true. And we're doing it today. We're doing it today. Amanda, hmm. who do you think is behind the Georgia Guidestones? So I want to give it the benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't something horrible and terrible and wanting to like cleanse a race, right? <laughs> I'm hoping it was just the secret society. They're all like, let's put together some nice guidelines. And they didn't mean it in any mean way. And they just, the word usage just did not age well with the Guidestones. That's my hope. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just because I want an American Stonehenge to be cool, not mean. Yeah, I would love for an American Stonehenge, anything American, to not be shitty. I was going to say to just not be so American. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, not just so classically like, of course it's racist. <laughs> of course it's ableist and classist and racist and all of the things, right? Like, of course it is. Like, can we not have anything nice? Can we not have nice things? And I say that not like we shouldn't read into that, but more like it shouldn't be written in a way where it could be taken that way. But I don't think in the 80s they thought about it that way. You know, like I'm hoping that the intention wasn't there. Yeah, but Amanda, I'm thinking time travelers, so they should have known better. Well, I don't think that they were time travelers. I think that they were just secret people that wanted to keep to themselves, but wanted to teach others nice things, but just said it in an unfortunate way. Like, I like nature. I don't know. I'm not convinced. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, there are some of them that I like, right? Balance personal rights with social duties, right? Mm-hmm. Guys are going to hear my opinion on guns. I don't think that having guns is more important than children not being shot in schools. I think there's a misbalance. <laughs> yeah, I a thousand percent agree with that. And I think some of these say some good things too, like avoid petty laws and useless officials. Think of that in today's world, like how helpful that could be. For sure. Price, truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. What a beautiful statement. Just leave, just put that up there. Take away the rest. I'm good to go. Just cross them out. Yeah. Yeah. Just With the cricket. Yeah. With with the cricket, of course. As we know, it can engrave granite. <laughs> Do not come at me when you break your cricket because you tried to use it on your granite countertop. They're like holding it up. (laughs) No, no, they're sticking it to an extra sticky mat. It's a very firm grip. (laughs) Oh, craft humor. It's very niche, but here we are. Yeah, I mean, there's some of them that I think are beautiful. 
I love 10. 10. Like, great. 10 out of 10. No pun in 10. 10 is my favorite. And that's be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. That double. You should leave room for nature. Yes. But ironically, they did go into the middle of an empty field and do this. And they left room for nature. And you know what? The air quality is probably great. It is. It probably is. As it is in the bunker underneath the secondary slab. (laughs) We would love to hear what you think. Uh, Good, bad, or very intense. I would like to know your opinions, as would Amanda. Because we actually, I think a lot of times we get to a little bit of a consensus on this one. And I don't think we did. I think we're a little bit... I, I'm jaded by the eugenics of it all. Like, <laughs> again, I'm just hoping that we didn't do something shitty. Yeah. What a hope. <laughs> and with that, we'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. Bye. My whistle must be wet for Van Smith. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps.